The Strong Talents was one, was one of the first organizations that sort of recognized what was going on in Memphis and took it in and sort of fed it back to us, right? So work that was happening in the Broad Avenue area, which you're very familiar with, and the Edge District and Cooper Young and South Main, you guys saw what was going on and were able to help us figure it out in a way that I don't know we could have, you know, seeing it from our own eyes, so to speak. It's our Strong Towns membership drive. To become a member of Strong Towns, go to strongtowns.org and sign up today. Carrie Hayes, how you doing, man? I'm well, sir. How are you? Good, good. You're uh, down in Memphis, Tennessee. Yes, sir. You, you're the, the uh, beautiful. Right now, you're the uh, the public relations director at Doug Carpenter and Associates. Tell me what you explain to me what you do on a day to day basis. Sure. So I'm the director of PR at a a small marketing uh, consulting agency called Doug Carpenter and Associates. We have been in existence for about four years, uh, founded by a guy named Doug Carpenter. He's had a long career in the advertising and marketing uh, industry here in Memphis. We do a variety of communications and marketing things to help uh, people that need our assistance, uh, ranging from branding to web development to public relations to other types of strategic communications uh, needs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, my my uh, domain is particularly the media relations and what we call earned media, so trying to help uh, clients and partners get uh, positive coverage about themselves placed in various uh, media channels. What, what is your, what's your background? Because when you and I met, you were working in the mayor's office. When you and I met, which was about three years ago, yeah. uh, I'd been there. For a couple of years, so, so I worked on Mayor Wharton's campaign in 2009, and then I followed him into office when he got elected that fall and was there for about three years. Um, my background of that previously had been in nonprofit uh, fundraising and administration, uh, primarily with a bent towards the arts. There was a lot of arts uh, youth development programming in my professional background prior to my uh, time in the public sector. Are, are you from Memphis, Kerry? I'm not. I grew up in northeastern Colorado. I uh, went to college in St. Louis at Webster University in St. Louis. Uh, moved around a little bit. I lived in Chicago for a couple of years after I graduated, which was in 2002. And my uh, fiance, who's now my wife, and I ended up here in 2005. She grew up right outside of Memphis uh, in a suburb called Carryville. Okay. I was going to ask you how you ended up there because it, it seems like, I mean, <laughs> when I think of Memphis, I think of you, I think of Tommy. You know, there's a handful of people that just epitomize the place for me. Uh, you seem like you... <laughs> for better or for worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> um, talk about what brought you to Memphis. Like, what was the? I, I realize your wife's from the area, but obviously, you guys have mm -hmm. moved around and have a lot of other options. What's the What's the draw of that place? What keeps you there? Um, what a great question. I think you know at the time that I moved from Chicago. Um, you know, I, Chicago is, was is a great city. Um. And it's a big city and there's a lot of things going on, but it sort of felt all of the neighborhoods you'd sort of go to were sort of done, right? Like every, every, there was nothing sort of left to explore. All the, all the sort of territory had been charted and everything was sort of everywhere you sort of went sort of felt like it was either at the beginning or the middle of some kind of really rapid gentrification cycle. And as a result, there was a sort of sameness to the places in the neighborhoods that yeah, yeah. A little bit of a drag to me. So Memphis, by contrast, at the you know, complete other swing of the pendulum, uh, is nothing but opportunity. <laughs> Certainly right. that was the case uh, you know, ten years ago. Um 
lots of neighborhoods and corners of the city that need to be revived, some of which are in enormous distress uh, financially and, and economically and everything else. But, you know, um, that kind of stuff is really appealing and to me and, you know, I think to a lot of other people. And you sort of the, – the barriers to entry here are low. Uh, you were able to form, you know, networks really quickly uh, if you want to. And you can you can do a lot of stuff. Uh, it's a great sandbox in which to play and in which to sort of build a career and start building a life that uh, that I think is extremely appealing. And it can't be avoided that I mean it, it really did sort of coincide that uh, we moved here and two or three years later the Great Recession happened and that uh, because Memphis was never really caught up in the housing bubble, we didn't fall as hard as some markets like Phoenix or Denver or Las Vegas or whatever. So. I say that to say, I mean, we, we've always been a city that offers a lot in the way of quality of life uh, at, a, at a pretty modest um, cost of living, and that has certainly continued to be the case as we've as the sort of national economies recovered. We, you can buy a lot of house in a in a great neighborhood um, with with great access to great neighborhoods for a fraction of what you would spend in in some other markets. Right. You know, but I. Think overpriced, so that's a that's a pretty uh, crass economic way of looking at it. But yeah, it's, no, but it's real and it's appealing to a lot of people. You and I have had dinner a, a couple of times in the Cooper Young neighborhood, and it was one mm-hmm. of the th- one of the things I wanted to ask you about because you and I I've had on my list that we're going to do a podcast at some point about the uh, the parking garage and some of the other things. Um, <laughs> yes. I just have this long list of things to to chat with you about, but I I, I want you to if you would uh, talk a little bit about just the Cooper Young yeah. neighborhood and, and that parking garage. And cause I think that kind of epitomizes the different challenges that a city like Memphis is facing as opposed to, like you say, a place like Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. So Cooper Young is uh, a neighborhood that was technically, I'm sure a suburb when it was sort of first organized and built in the 19 teens and twenties. Uh, and it's where my wife and I have lived ever since we've lived in Memphis. Um, so it's, let me get my bearings north uh, east of downtown Memphis, about five miles, seven miles. It's close enough I can ride my bike from my house to my job, which is in, in uh, downtown Memphis. Um, and our house was built in 1912, I guess. So yeah. it's uh, a great little traditional bungalow neighborhood that is anchored uh, by a commercial district at the intersection of Cooper Street and Young Avenue. It's one of the really, truly walkable areas of Memphis, Tennessee, which if you know anything about it, is a, is a hugely sprawling city. Even within the city limits, there's a tremendous amount of sprawl and, and outward growth, um, which has all sorts of problems we can talk about later. But Cooper Young is, is very compact, very walkable. You know, my wife and I can walk from our front door and within four blocks, we've got something like 15 or 17 different restaurants to pick from. Right, uh, a lot right. of interesting locally owned retail um and it's uh the, the the neighborhood was sort of built around an old trolley line which which no longer exists but it was a a transit oriented development <laughs> you know a hundred years ago before we had those kind of terms right and it was just was development really yeah <laughs> and you know in the last three or four years it's always been or i should say for the last 20 or 30 years been a, been a pretty cool neighborhood in memphis uh, in the last three or four years it's just exploded and lots of investment coming in lots of really great places opening up and it's uh, it's created what some people regard as, as real traffic problems getting in and out of the neighborhood, um, which, again, is very small. We're talking about 15 square blocks um, right. with, with one intersection primarily being the, the nexus of all the activity. And it's uh, it's it's created auto traffic problems that we didn't have to deal with you know, 10 years ago. Right. And 
the response by some of the merchants, not all, uh, I hasten to add, is that we need a park, nothing we can do until we get a parking garage. And, you know, I take issue with that on a number of fronts. One, I think it does, depending on where you put it, and the devils are in the details, obviously, but depending on where you put it, that you would disrupt and compromise the pedestrian nature of the neighborhood. You've got, you know, a three or four story parking garage, which would be wildly out of character with anything else in the neighborhood. Uh, is is going to be a, a deterrent to people walking. It just is, you know. And and so you start to you start to chip away at some of the things that make the neighborhood so productive and special in the first place just by putting it in there. And financially, it's it's a cost uh, that the city can't and shouldn't assume. I mean, we're talking about whatever it is, four million dollars, five million dollars uh, to build a suburban style parking deck um, that is not necessarily going to have any sort of ground floor retail or or, or you know, right, right. contribute to the to the design of the neighborhood in any sort of good way. Um, I mean, it's it's a it's a it's an expenditure that the city, the public sector, just shouldn't be getting into. So right. it, there's just things about it that don't make sense. Uh, it, it, it sets a precedent for ways that we would address, um, you know, congestion, quote unquote, in other neighborhoods that are starting to show signs of life and signs of activity. You know, we can't every every time a neighborhood starts doing well in Memphis. The response should not be to slam <laughs> four stories of structured parking right. on top of it. Let, let's try to kill it the way we. I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah, I love people coming into my neighborhood. I love them coming from the suburbs and other parts of Memphis to spend money in my neighborhood. It's, it's, I just it excites me to no end. But you have to maintain the thing that they're coming to enjoy, right. and right. you have to do it in a way that does not cost taxpayers. Uh, millions of dollars in money that we don't have. Strong Towns, this is our membership week. I wanted to talk to you because we've done a lot of work in Memphis, and I know our conversation from early days has really taken hold there. What do you What do you think of some of the influences that the Strong Towns message has had on the conversation there, and on things like you know the whole Cooper Young neighborhood, I, I to me I feel like it's a some it's of a the piece, per- I mean, you broke up just a little bit some of the pieces. Yeah, well, I I feel like the Cooper Young neighborhood is kind of epitomizes a strong town's mentality and a strong. What what kind of influence has our message had on the conversation there in Memphis? Strong towns to me is sort of like a. It's sort of like Harry Potter, right, where you sort of go through a large part of your life thinking you're nuts and thinking about your city differently or your neighborhood differently or your government differently or whatever it is. And then you sort of find that there's this whole network and community of people who think just like you, and it is extraordinarily validating and helpful and uh, powerful to know that you're not the only person in your town that that recognizes that things could be different and could be better and could be uh, could be smarter, you know. And that's really what I think the organization has done in Memphis with people like me and Tommy and and Wes Riddle and I could go down the line. But I mean, it's um, it's helped us connect with each other. Um, it's helped us connect to these resources here that we're seeing outside the city. Strong Towns was one was one of the first organizations that sort of recognized what was going on in Memphis and took it in and sort of fed it back to us, right? So work that was happening in the Broad Avenue area, which you're very familiar with, and the Edge District and Cooper Young and South Main, you guys saw what was going on and were able to help us figure it out in a way that I don't know we could have, you know, seeing it from our own eyes, so to speak. And validating the fact that you know, incremental improvements and redesigns and all the sort of tactical work that we've been trying to engage in has real value and real economic potential and real meaning 
Yeah. You know, Strong Towns was the was the first organization I think that saw that for what it was and and helped give us the encouragement and the technical assistance in some ways to to keep that going and it's continued to sort of uh flow upwards. So now I know that when the Strong Towns boot camp happened this spring, we're having you know, real deputy city engineers sit through a two or three day session by you and, and Joe and Mike, that that would have never happened, uh, you know, five or six or seven years ago, you know, right, but right. it is it is a message that is, you know, we're filling the glass upward faster and faster and more and more people are sort of understanding that cities like ours that are incredibly slim on resources and great on challenges have got to do things in a different way uh, if we're going to sustain and, and, and thrive in strong towns gives us a lot of those tools. One of the things that you've encouraged me on, and, and I, I've pushed back a little bit because it's, it's not me, but I've, I've acknowledged that you have a really valid point. Uh, you've encouraged me on the political side. In fact, at one point you said, you know, you really need a political action committee. I, I know that you're more attuned to that world than I am, but talk mm-hmm. a little bit about uh, the, the strong towns messaging and you can even be critical. I mean, I'm, I'm, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think sometimes we are so non-political in our bones mm-hmm. that maybe we miss some opportunities to engage with people who could really, you know, make some impacts. <laughs> uh, maybe, um, I guess all I can say is that, you know, planning city planning is political, right? And right. it is, in Memphis, anyway, and I suspect this is the case in a lot of other cities, uh, things like um, zoning variances or uh, changes to the design of a street um, will flow through various regulatory channels. And ultimately, in some cases, a lot of times they will come down to a vote by the city council, which is an elected body here of 13 people. And depending on their perspective and points of view and, and of the things, they will vote one way or another about, you know, things that have real transformative impact, good or bad, on a neighborhood. And in a perfect world, I, I, you know, everyone who's elected to municipal office of any kind should be required to, you know, have been through your boot camp and have received a degree in city planning right, <laughs> you know, and have read right. Jane Jacobs and all these other <laughs> things, but that's not the case. And, you know, what What you need is another voice in that mix to sort of say, stop, wait, let's think long term. Let's look at the data. Let's think about the character. Let's think about what people really want. Things like the parking garage in Cooper Young are a perfect example. I mean, at the end of the day, that will that will end up, the decision will be made in a political arena, either at a city council meeting or, um, you know, by some up or down decision by the mayor or something, you know, I don't know, but you've, you've got to have, you've got to have the right voices carrying the right message all the way through um, those decisions being made. And there are, there are millions of them happening in a city all the time. And, you know, so the pack idea was just thinking about how fun it would be if you had, you know, another set of sticks and carrots with which to educate your elected officials when it comes to these really critical neighborhood decisions. Carrie, and I do, and I still think it's a great idea. And oh I yeah, something you should do. <laughs> well, and I, I'm uh, I'm I'm recruiting you. You know, I, I've already told you if you if you want to start it, I'm uh, <laughs> uh, you know, go ahead. I'm I'm ready. <laughs> It'll have to be one of those uncoordinated uh, super packs. Yeah, 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 exactly. Hey, thanks for thanks so much for being a member, Carrie, and thanks for helping us, and and thanks for yeah. all that Did you, you do. Okay, you take care, my friend. Absolutely. My pleasure. My pleasure. Talk to you later. Thanks, Chuck. Yep. All right.
We need your support here at Strong Towns. Become a member today by going to strongtowns.org.